Good morning. I'm Pastor James, and it's my joy today to start off a new sermon series called Don't Pray This. I know that sounds a little weird, uh, and spoiler alert, I'm going to give away the ending. You're actually supposed to pray it. That's a bit of an ironic statement. I just want you to know that what I'm asking you to pray is pretty dangerous. It might cost a lot. So, if you can't handle that, don't pray this. And our first prayer we're going to be talking about in this series is maybe the most dangerous of all, Lord, lead me. Lord, lead me. When I was thinking of this prayer, a particular Bible story bubbled up to the surface. Uh, You may have heard of it before, Jonah and the whale. You know this story? You probably know it from a bunch of talking vegetables. They got a movie about it, and, and uh, I thought we would use those talking vegetables as an illustration to help review this story, um, except, I don't know, if your family was like mine, we couldn't really afford Crayola crowns when I was a kid, so we had Rose Art. Uh, you know, sometimes my parents would actually buy me Mega Blocks, not the name brand Lego. I've thrown them all away at this point. But even for talking vegetable stories, we didn't quite have the name brand ones. We had anthropomorphic vegetable stories. (laughs) It's a little bit cheaper. It's also cheaper to show in the service. So that's what we're going to use today, anthropomorphic vegetable stories, to review the story of Jonah. And you remember Jonah, he was hanging out in his hometown, and he, he prayed an audacious and dangerous prayer. Lord, lead me. And the Lord said, all right, dude, I'm going to lead you. You're going to Nineveh. And Jonah thought to himself, Nineveh, that's where all the people who don't know about you are. Why would I go there to talk about you? They're evil. They're mean. They attack your people. Why would I go to Nineveh? But God said, go to Nineveh, tell them to repent. And Jonah said, yeah, no. He went the exact opposite direction. He tried to get as far as he could on the continent, all the way to Spain, which is about as far as you could go during that time. But to do that, he had to go down to the port city and get on a boat. You can laugh at these. I made them. They're not that good. (laughs) He got on the boat, and they started to sail off into the sunset, but here comes a big storm. And how did Jonah react? He knew God was sending that storm. So what did he do? He went down into the depths of the boat and took a nap. And the other sailors, freaking out, knowing this was some kind of divine storm, start praying to their gods, but nothing's working. So they go down into the depths of the boat, pull out Jonah and say, who are you and what's your God? And Jonah says, my God is Yahweh. He created the land and the sea. He controls all of this. And they were like, what did you do to make him angry? And he said, I ran away from him. Stop. Go do what he wants you to do. And he said, no, 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 no. It would be better if you threw me over the boat and let me die than than me having to go talk to the Ninevites. So the sailors tried to get back to shore, but the storm kept getting worse. And eventually, they throw the tomato (laughs) off the boat into the ocean where he bobbed. (laughs) Tomato, Bob. 
The sailors on the boat then turn to Yahweh, despite Jonah, the sailors on the boat praise Yahweh, thank him, turn away from their gods, and turn towards the one true God. As the tomato sunk into the ocean, as Jonah sunk, possibly because he didn't have arms, deeper and deeper until a big whale swallowed him whole. And you've seen the different anthropomorphic vegetable stories that are out there. Normally, when Jonah gets into the whale, it's a big cavernous innard that happens to have some boats in there and a lantern he can light and maybe a, a little caterpillar or a Jiminy Cricket or, or someone to talk to him to make him feel better about himself. There's another vegetable version that has some angels that show up and, and tell him uh, this lesson about how God will give him a second chance and if he just would have done what he said, he wouldn't be punished like this from God and yada, yada, yada. I, I like this vegetable version better because what it shows is the actual situation that Jonah was in. As he sunk into the depths of the ocean, deep, 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 in the belly of a giant fish, it was absolutely dark, absolutely claustrophobic, wet and cold. He was completely alone. It was a grave. This is the reality of Jonah's experience, and it is in this depth that Jonah finally cries out to the Lord. And there's a whole prayer in Jonah chapter 2, and that is our verse for the day. So let's go through it. This is Jonah speaking to the Lord. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. From the depths of my grave I cried for help, and you heard my cry. All right, Jonah's off to a good start. He's recognizing that when he cries out, God does hear him, even in the depths. You threw me into the deep, into the depths of the sea, and water surrounded me. All the whitecaps of your waves have swept over me. Jonah's starting to realize who's in control, too. Who sent that storm? Who sent the whale? Who's in control of every little thing? It's Yahweh. But then Jonah starts to make a turn. He starts to think. That can get us in trouble sometimes. Then I thought, I have been banished from your sight. Will I ever see your holy temple again? Water surrounded me, threatening my life. The deep sea covered me completely. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Notice something. The language is very Jonah-focused now, isn't it? There's also some death imagery going on here, some burial imagery. It's being wrapped. I sank to the foot of the mountains. I sank to the bottom where bars held me forever, but you brought me back from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who hold on to worthless idols abandon their loyalty to you. Jonah thinks very highly of himself. There's some hypocrisy going on here. As God is saving him and as he is thanking God for saving him, he's also pointing the finger at all those people who had the audacity to run away from God and not be loyal to him. Who does that? Jonah does. You and I do. We do this in our prayers too. 
Then Jonah says, but I will sacrifice to you with songs of thanksgiving. I will keep my vow. Victory belongs to the Lord. And if this were a morality tale, Jonah would keep that vow. Jonah would do a good job. Jonah would show up after being vomited out from the whale. I think he's vomited out because the whale didn't even have uh, a good taste in his mouth from that prayer. Jonah would have shown up at Nineveh, preached to the Ninevites to repent, and he would have been happy with what happened, which was one day into his three-day preaching tour, every vegetable in Nineveh turned from their wicked ways, turned to God and repented. From the animals all the way up to the king, they repented. And yet Jonah is angry. I think he's angry for a couple reasons. He tells us one reason why, which is he really wanted all these Ninevites to be punished. They deserved punishment for all their evil deeds, for running away from God. They deserved punishment. I think he's also angry too because he realized pretty early on it wasn't going to be his awesome preaching skills that saved those people. It had nothing to do with him all along. Amen. Amen. God is the one who caused the miracle of the Ninevites turning to him. So we need to ask ourselves some questions when we watch stories like this, when we read stories like this from the Old Testament. And the first question I like for us to ask is, How are we like Jonah? What does this story tell us about us, about humans? And the first thing I think it tells us, the way that we are like Jonah is this. We pray for direction, but we don't want to be led. When we pray, God, lead me, what we're actually in the back of our head praying is, God, give me some options so I can choose. And God graciously many times gives us a lot of options that fit within the direction he's leading us. And that direction is love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbors as yourself. Preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them. He's given us the exact way to go and yet we're still asking for options. He gives us options, many numerous ways that we can do that. And yet we still turn away from them every day and run away just like Jonah. We pray for direction, but we don't want to be led. We also pray most earnestly in the depths that we leaped into. We are just like Jonah. We will run away from God and into deeper and deeper sin and death. And when we finally hit rock bottom, that's when we pray the most earnestly. Now, should we pray very earnestly in those moments? Absolutely. But it shouldn't be the only time we pray to God. It shouldn't be the only time we get on our knees and pray earnestly to God. But this is how we are. Somehow we need this to really turn to God. The other thing that we're like Jonah is we make ourselves the protagonist when we pray. We make ourselves the main character, the center of attention. The story of Jonah and the whale, that's what we've been told for so many years, right? 
Jonah's the main character, the whale is the antagonist, and we build entire movies and storybooks around that part of the story. Well, I'm here to tell you the whale is only mentioned twice. Two verses, that's it. The bulk of the story, chapters 1, 3, and 4, are all about God, the main character, doing things. And the antagonist, the one who gets in the way, Jonah. Yahweh, Elohim, names for God are mentioned in Jonah three times as much as Jonah's name, except for one section, and that's Jonah's prayer. In Jonah's prayer, Jonah, I, me, personal words outweigh the words of God doing things. In Jonah's prayer, he makes it all about himself. We do this too when we pray. So if it's really about God, if he is the protagonist, if he is the hero in all of these stories, then we should probably ask the next question, what does this story tell us about God? And the first thing it tells us about God is that it's kind of scary, but he's in control of everything. He's in control of the weather, He's in control of the animals. He's in control of people. He's the one who causes everything in this story. He's the one doing the actions. Does he sometimes use people? Yep, but he's the one doing it. The next thing tells us about God. When we pray, lead me, he will lead you, and he will take you to places that you don't want to go. He's going to take you to uncomfortable, possibly humanly unsafe conditions in order to reach people who need to hear about the gospel. He's going to use those uncomfortable situations to help you grow too, but he's not going to send you somewhere comfortable. For me, I'm an Aggie, so he'll probably send me to Austin right? In reality, though, he's not sending you to far-off places all the time. He does, and those trips can be uncomfortable. But he's also got people right in front of you that you don't want to talk to, that you treat as enemies, and those are the people he wants you to reach with the gospel. It could be your neighbor next door. It could be an estranged family member. It could be someone here at church. He is putting you in uncomfortable situations when you say, Lord, lead me. But we can also learn that in these moments, when we pray, Lord, lead me, he is going to use creaturely things to lead you and to save you and to give you grace. He's going to use the world around you and the elements around you and the people around you to guide you and to save you at times. In Jonah's story, it's, it's a storm knocking them off the boat. That storm saves those sailors on the boat. For Jonah, as he's going deeper and deeper into the depths of death, an apparent aggressive thing happens that actually saves him. A creature swallows him whole and spits him back on dry land. God uses creaturely things to save you and I. He uses the waters of baptism. 
The bread and wine that you ate today, those are creaturely things he uses, including you and me. We can see this first and foremost and in the strongest way in Christ. So we've got to ask our next question, and I think this is the most important question to ask when looking at an Old Testament or New Testament story, and that is this. How does this story point to Christ? And we're kind of blessed with this story because Christ himself gives us the answer. It happens sometimes, actually. It happens a lot. In Matthew, he says to a group of folks, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Behold, something greater than Jonah is here. You and I, we've got a better Jonah. We've got a man who when God told him, go and reach those lost, hopeless people, he went joyfully. And on that journey, he also spent three days in the depths, in darkness, in death. Except when he did, he brought light with him and proclaimed victory in the very depths. And he brings that victory back out onto the shore for us. Through Jesus, you experience the same thing Jonah did. You are drowned and brought back to life. Because of Jesus, we can pray, Lord, lead me without fear, without anxiety. We can pray, Lord, lead me to the very depths, because he's already been there and declared victory. We don't have to be afraid of going wherever it is, whether it's our neighbor's house, back home, or even our own church at times. We don't have to be afraid of it because Christ is already there. He's gone before us and declared victory. We can go to the ends of the earth because he's already been there too. And he's there when we're there, and he's using us when we're there, and when we leave, he's still there. So now we get to the question that we like to ask, but this is a bonus question. We only get to ask this question because of the Jesus question, and it's this. How should we respond to this story? What do I do? How do I play a part? Well, the first thing is don't be like Jonah. When you pray, Lord, lead me, don't then run away the opposite direction. When God saves you and brings you out of the depths of the ocean, the depths of death, don't then deny that same thing for other people and get angry when God gives grace to those people you don't like. Don't go sit outside the city on a hilltop and pray that God destroys the city and get angry at him when he saves it. Don't be like Jonah. However, kind of be like Jonah. There's some things that Jonah does that are actually pretty cool. And I think some of this is because he spent a lot of time in God's Word. And the reason I can say that is his prayer pulls from various different Psalms and it uses a structure that the Psalms use. And that structure is a structure that we can use when we pray. And it's actually a structure to our daily lives as Christians. It's the structure to worship in here on Sundays. It's the structure to your entire faith journey. 
And the structure is this. We see it in his prayer. He starts off when he stops pretending. So quit pretending. Quit pretending you've got everything together. Quit pretending that you know better than God. Quit pretending that you're in charge and he isn't. Quit pretending that you're not in the belly of a whale in the bottom of sin and death in the ocean. Quit pretending. You are dead in sin. So cry out to the Lord. Cry out from the very depths. Cry out, Lord, save me. Lord, lead me. Lord, direct me. Lord, break me. Lord, make me. Cry out to him. The next thing, look around and see salvation. See the fact that you are already saved. You may be in the belly of a whale at the bottom of the ocean, but you're in the belly of a whale. You're being saved. You might have just been spit back onto the shore. You're being saved. You, as a believer, are being saved. You have been saved, you're being saved, and you will be fully saved. You just have to look around and see it. And then we cry out with praises to God. We praise him for the fact that he has redeemed you, bought you back, saved you, brought you out of the depths, spit you back on the shore, has light in your life because of him. You praise him. And this is the cycle of our lives. This is the daily cycle of the Christian life too. And this is what we did this morning. So Jonah actually has a little bit to offer. There's one last thing that Jonah has to offer us that I don't even think Jonah expected. I didn't expect it. This is a new one for me as I dug deeper and deeper into Jonah. You've probably finished reading the story of Jonah now, right, as an adult. When I was a kid, we always left it at, he goes to Nineveh and everyone gets saved, right? And somehow Jonah's like a a hero or something, which is not. There's a whole other chapter to Jonah where Jonah sits out outside the city and he complains to God and yells at him and says, Lord, I knew you were going to be merciful. Why don't you just kill me? And then God raises up a plant and shades him from the sun. And Jonah's like, oh, thanks, God. I knew you would. And then God takes away the plant. And Jonah's like, why you, God? And God's like, why are you always angry, man? How's that working out for you? But there's this prayer at the end of Jonah in chapter 4 that I think might be one of the best prayers in the Bible, even though Jonah is coming from the wrong place from it, with it. He's angry at God saying, Lord, I knew you'd be merciful. That's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh. They deserved punishment. But you are going to be merciful and grace-filled and all those things. So Lord, just kill me. I'm done with this world. It's a suicidal prayer from Jonah. It is a dark prayer from Jonah. But for us, this is the most dangerous, beautiful prayer we can pray. Let's look at it. Oh, Lord, I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Oh, Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. This is our prayer as Christians. 
Lord, you are merciful. You are full of grace. You don't want disaster for me. Kill me and make me alive so that I will follow you. Kill my old self and give me a new life. Jonah is spot on with his last prayer. He just doesn't know it. Lord, lead me, but kill me first. Amen? Amen. Please join me in prayer. Lord, help us to stop pretending, to acknowledge the depths of sin that we have gotten ourselves into, to accept the reality that we run away from you daily. Turn us towards you. Break us so we can be led. Kill our old selves daily so that we can live new lives. We praise you for saving us by drowning us in the waters of baptism. We praise you that we are already being saved in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our running away from you. Thank you for sending storms, big fish, and more to direct us when we don't want to be led. We praise you that you are a God who does not give up on sinners, whether they be a whole city of people in need of saving or the very messengers of the gospel who fail to show love. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for being the greater Jonah, for going into the depths of death and returning for us. Together we pray Jonah's dangerous prayer, Lord, you are a gracious God and merciful. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You are relenting from disaster. Oh, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die so that you can give me life. Lord, lead me.